Hallelujah. What a tremendous God. So thankful for him this morning. Appreciate the Lord. Good to be in the house of the Lord. And uh, man, it's hard to believe that this year is getting so close to being over with. It's getting so close to being over with. But here we are in November, just being thankful to the Lord. Amen. Praise God. One verse of scripture, John 3 and 30. We'll finish the last lesson on living sacrifice. That's our reasonable service, isn't it? The Bible says that I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God. It's all that he's done. Our reasonable service is to be that living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him. The only way to know the will of God for your life is to be in submission to him. You'll always be trying to figure out what's wrong as long as you stay out of submission. But when you're under submission, you know exactly what to do. I want to stay in submission to him. And so we've finished uh, this lesson series up with this today. John 3 and 30. John the Baptist, uh, probably his most quoted next to behold the Lamb of God, probably the most quoted uh, phrase he ever uttered. He must increase, but I must decrease. He must increase, but I must decrease. Oh, thank you, Lord. So we're going to talk about that today, uh, about increase and decrease. Let's pray for the lesson. Lord, we love you. Thankful for your word, for your hand in our life. Thank you for the Holy Ghost that leads us and guides us every day. I'm thankful that we're not who we used to be, Lord. Bless us to hear the word of God. Let us receive it in good ground. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Now give him a hand clap and a shout for his word. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for the word of God. Live by it. Praise God. You can be seated. Thank you for being in service with us today. All of our visitors, thank you for being here, and thank you. Uh, it was very nice to meet Claire this morning, UGA student. Glad to have her with us today. And, uh, she attends church in Brazelton and was able to be with us today, and we're glad for that. We love meeting our college students and glad when they can be here. He must increase. He must increase. Yes. Must is the word in this phrase. Just like when we... You know, we always love to talk about what John wrote in the third chapter of the words of Jesus. You must be born again. And so we, we understand that Jesus is not leaving an option here. This, this has to happen or you must be born again. You cannot enter into the kingdom. Uh, you cannot see the kingdom. You must be born of water, born of the Spirit. So marvel not that I said ye must be born again. It's uh, without uh, opinion or option. It doesn't matter about our two cents. Jesus said this is a must. Uh, You can take uh, what John said, John the Baptist said here, uh, just as concretely as what Jesus said in John chapter 3. John had a very special call on his life. His life was written about by the prophet Isaiah. He was prophesied before he ever existed, just as Jesus was. He was prophesied to be that voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. And so we know that uh, John had purpose, and he said, he must increase, not an option. Well, you're talking about John. Well, I am talking about John. John, uh, his disciples uh, came to him one day because they were concerned. Uh, they loved John. They revered John. They knew that he was a prophet like no other. And they come to him saying, the one that you were telling us about, the one that you baptized, and everybody's going to him. And his disciples, they're baptizing more people than you are. And, and they were kind of concerned about it, but John just said, now is my joy complete. John was not threatened by the ministry of Jesus. He was not threatened by the success and the fame and notoriety that Jesus was obtaining because that was his whole purpose. You know, you can have a call on your life like John had, but you still have to keep things in order. And he realized that 
Listen, he's got to increase and I've got to decrease. This has never been about me. I'm just a part of the puzzle. It's always been about him, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And so, therefore, is my joy complete. It's full. My cup's running over because now what I was supposed to facilitate is happening. People are looking to Jesus. You know that Andrew, Peter's brother, was a disciple of John. He was one of John the Baptist's disciples. And he caught something, I believe, that day because he realized that it is about Jesus because it was Andrew who ran and told Peter, we found the Messiah. We found the one that the prophets spoke about. We, we found the Christ. And, and then Peter, of course, becomes a convert, and it goes on and on. People start going to Jesus. This is exactly what John wanted to happen. He wanted people to finally look to Jesus instead of him. But too many times, uh, if we're not careful, we think that our position or our power or even just being born again makes us somebody more than we are. But the scripture warns me against that and tells me not to think more of myself than I ought to. That I should not think of myself as something when I'm nothing. I know that my life here is but a vapor. It appears a little while and it only appears as long as he allows it. He must increase and I must decrease. John was satisfied in submitting to God's will and plan for his life. Oh, he was fine with eating locust and wild honey in the wilderness. Well, if I'm going to be doing all this good church work, Lord, how come I can't ride up on a camel with some silk pajamas on and some good shoes? Why have I got to wear goat skin and, and, and be shaggy and be hot and cold and sleep with a rock for a pillow? And well, yeah, He was fine with submitting to the will of God for his life. And we must be fine with submitting uh, to the will of God for our life. We must make sure that we are lifting up him. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men. We must lift up Jesus. He must be put first. His disciples, John's disciples, were concerned. They loved John. He was a great man. Even Jesus himself uh, would tell people there was, won't be another one like him. And he was just great. But even as great as, his, as he was, uh, he had to submit to the will of God. John could not give in to his disciples' expectations. It's not a contest. We're not trying to say who's baptizing the most. I'm trying to get everybody. I, I won't worry about baptizing nobody else if they all go to him. And see, we struggle sometimes uh, trying to keep other people's expectations from being more important than the expectations of the Lord. You know, People have expectations of us. That's fine. But it matters most what God wants. You know, I, I've had, oh, you'll get it. People will say, oh, I think you ought to do this. I think you ought to do that. And it's completely opposite of what God wants you to do. I'm going to do what the Lord wants me to do. Oh, but these people, they, they, you know, we, we had people before we started this church. We were beginning to evangelize. This was many years ago. And all the time they were like, why don't you just go over here and start a church? Why don't you just go over here and start a church? And all these, you're going to do, oh, you're going to buy an RV and travel across the country and just preach it. And I was just like, you know, good. They had expectations. They wanted to see it happen. But I knew I had to listen to what God wanted. Because if I had not, I probably wouldn't be here. I could have went to where people expected me to go or done what people expected me to do. And then this church would have never been. And if this church would have never been, where would some of us be today? Not because of me. I must decrease. He's got to increase. And we're not going to fulfill God's will exactly the way that John did. John you know, was a martyr. Uh, he was killed in prison, uh, but he preached until he was executed. And that's, uh, but the same attitude that John had should characterize our life. He must increase while we decrease. We do not come to him and then hold on to 
our will. We do not come to him and, and so, hey, save me and take me to heaven, but let me walk my own path. He has to order my steps in his word. There is no other way than him. There is no other door than him. There is no other savior than him. I've got to be in submission to God. I am so glad that he washed my sins away. And I'm glad that he has filled me with the Holy Ghost. And I am born again. But I can never get out of submission to the one who did that. I must seek to lose more of myself and gain more of him. I've got The Bible says I, I should grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. I need to, uh, so that means he must be increasing in my life. I need to unlearn some things when I come to God. Uh, hello. Uh, you know, when, when we are born again and we're buried in water, hey, it washes away. It's for the remissions of sins past. But hey, guess what? When you come up out of the water, you are clean but your mind is still your mind and your heart is still your heart. And, and even when he fills us with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost is a, a leader, a guide. It's not a, it doesn't handcuff you and force you. It doesn't throw you into a white van and kidnap you. It, 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 listen, it's not hijacking you. you. You're not being shanghaied by the Holy Ghost. It will lead you if you will let it. But you've got to let the Holy, you can't be like, hey, Holy Ghost, I'm going to do this. I want you to bless it. <laughs> I've been blood bought, Holy Ghost. Yeah, I know. He, again, let me tell you, he knows. But you ain't going to go up in there and do your own thing and then tell him to put your stamp on it. Go ahead and okay that. Go ahead and sprinkle a little anointing on that, Lord. Hey, where you're going to get your anointing is when you get in submission. You're going to get your anointing when you get under subjection. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. The powers that be are of God. You've got to be under subjection to the higher powers. And so uh, I must decrease while he must increase. I have got to focus more on him and less on myself. This is a foundation. What John said right here is a foundational scripture for every Christian's life. If you don't have this at the beginning, you're going to have trouble in the middle. You can believe that. And it'll end up bad in the end. He must increase and I must decrease. That's the way it is when God saves you. Yeah, it does. We're supposed to fulfill God's will and put Jesus first. People always got t-shirts that say that, but does your life say it? Years ago, there was some guy on TV, one of them televangelists. He was selling little pins. I said, my dad had one, a little tie-tack pin. He said, Jesus first. Well, it was a big saying back in the 80s. But you can wear that all day, but is it true? What does it actually look like when he is increasing and I am decreasing? What it means most of all is that now he is actually the functioning Lord of our life. The functioning Lord, not just I have admitted he's Lord or confessed that he's Lord. The, listen, the most basic Christian confession of faith is that Jesus Christ is Lord. And you can say that till your lips fall off, but until your heart gets under subjection to him, he's not your Lord. You don't just admit, but you submit. Yeah, come on, somebody. Oh, ow, 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 ow. It's November 1st, and he starts out talking about Thanksgiving, and now he's throwing wishbones at us. What's he doing? Come on. Christian confession. He is the Lord. And as a Lord, he is the ruler. He is the master. He is sovereign. He is king. He is one with power and authority. He makes your and my rule. Order my steps, Lord. Don't sing it if you don't mean it. Don't read it if you don't mean it. Come on. Order my steps in your word. Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh. And as Lord, he is a divine savior. He is the king. And he has absolute. He said all power in heaven and earth is given to me. He has all power and authority. He rules over heaven and earth. Exercises his lordship, not with an iron fist, but in love. Most people in the world, they live their life in rebellion to him. 
But as followers, we must live in submission to him. Now, here's the thing that we get twisted, I think, about submission because we got too many people who like to watch that, that uh, extreme fighting and stuff, and there are submission holds. Well, God never will never put you in a submission hold because he's not going to force submission. It will be a willing submission. It will not be because he has almost broke your arm or your neck or even your heart to get you to submit. He will simply love you. And when we, the Bible says it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. That's the beginning of submission. And it's his goodness that leads us there. It's his love and mercy that leads us there. But, but listen, that submission uh, does not completely and fully happen overnight. We learn as we grow in God to submit, to submit to his word. Hey, you know what? You, if you come to the Lord and you're in a service, God moves in your heart, man, you've got a basic knowledge. Hey, I've heard about Jesus and, and different things. And somebody preaches the gospel and you grab that by faith and believe it. Find an altar. You repent. Baptized in his name. God fills you with the Holy Ghost, but you've never read the Bible. This scriptures you don't even know exist. So how can you submit to what you don't even know yet? That's why uh, that growth, you grow in the grace and knowledge. You, you live by every word. You have to start studying his word and, and praying all oh, prayer time, time in prayer, fasting so you can get your flesh under subjection. These are things you learn to do. We are not in total submission all the time when we are first born again. We have submitted to a point. We have admitted that this is what we need and, and I submit to that and I repent and I'm baptized and God has filled me with the Holy Ghost and that's great, I'm born again, but I am still a work in progress. I still need. Listen, there is no value at all in simply confessing Jesus to be Lord when we live like he's not. God is not impressed simply because we can say he is Lord because the devils do that and tremble. Even the devils got the, the theological understanding that there's only one God. James wrote it. He said, listen, you might as well know that you believe in one God, you do well. The devils believe and tremble. They got that. They understand who he is. They know who he is. They, and many times when he would come to those possessed with spirits, they'd cry out, we know who you are. But they don't submit to him. They don't live. They're not serving him. They're not living you know, for him, doing works for the kingdom. I don't want to be on the same level as the devils. I, I want to be a, a child of God. I want to submit to the truth. I want to submit to God's word and to His will, and and I want to understand that He loves me, and if I'm going to serve him I'm going to live like he's my Lord and not just say he's my Lord yeah Jesus said it like this in James 2 uh, or in actually in Luke 6 and 46 and 47 he said why do you why do you call me Lord Lord and you don't do the things which I say well sometimes it happens because people don't know no better but sometimes it just happens because people want to be the Lord of their life. They want to do what they want to do. Well, I don't want to do that, Jesus. Well, I'm not going to make you. But it's my word. And so he said, whosoever comes to me and hears my sayings. Now, see what he's saying here. When you hear his sayings or his word, faith begins to materialize because faith comes by hearing. Faith doesn't come by works. Faith comes by hearing. So just remember that. And doeth them. Now we got something living because faith without works is dead or faith or hearing my word and not doing them is like faith without works. So he said, whoever comes to me, hears my saying, does them, I will show you who he's like. He's like a man that builds a house, digs deep, lays the foundation on a rock, and when the flood rises, stream beats upon that house, it could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. So when you have faith, that lays a foundation. But there's no building 
There is no building until you start doing what he said. That's where your building process comes in. And so it's constantly faith and works, faith and works. We're, we're, we have faith in God and we have works because faith without works is dead. So you can say, I got faith, but is it alive or dead? Is your faith alive or is it dead? It's, you can have faith, but it can be dead because nothing's happening. He said, but now the one that hears and, hears and does not, he's like a man without foundation. Built a house upon the earth. When the streams beat on it, it fell immediately. And the ruin of that house was great. So faith without works is like a life that is not under submission. If we hear but don't do, we are not under submission. We have not let him increase. And we have not decreased. We have accepted what a lot of people in the world want today, they want to go to heaven. Everybody wants to go to heaven. Nobody wants to be lost. Nobody wants to think about being lost forever. So let's do the minimum. But he said, you've got to be in submission. You've got to decrease so that I can increase. And why wouldn't we? Our motivation for letting him become the Lord of our life and admitting that and confessing that and then serving him as Lord is our motivation for that is love because he loved us. The love we received from God in Christ should cause us to love in response. That's what the scripture says. I love him because he first loved me. That's Bible. That's scripture, 1 John 4, 19. We love him because he first loved us. 1 John 3 and 18 tells me not to love in word only. In other words, just admitting neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. I can't just talk about it, but I've got to love him in deed and in truth. His word is truth. You will never, ever be able to tell the Lord enough that you love him and it mean anything if you're not doing what he said to do. Loving Christ involves our affection, of course. It's an emotion. It's a feeling. It involves praise, it involves worship, but our love for him is not simply feelings or saying wonderful things about him. You can declare wonderful things about him. Jesus said, oh, with their lips they praise me, but their hearts are far from me. He, he said, so the scripture's true concerning them. Under the right circumstances, anybody can say wonderful things about the Lord. People that don't even go to church can have, uh, hey, you see it? People don't even go to church, win the lottery, praising God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, somebody died and left them some money. Jesus, you're so good. And Lord, just take, but it ain't been to church in eight years. You know, don't, nothing. Just don't, don't read the Bible, don't pray, don't anything, but that's just life. But give them the right circumstances. Ooh, here comes all them bubbly feelings, and here we go. We start saying the right things, stuff like that. But Jesus did not say, if you love me, then feel a certain way about me. Or if you love me, say certain exalted things about me. Instead, he said, John 14 and 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. In verse 21 he said, he who has my commandments and keeps them. Let's read that. He that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loveth me. See, I can say I love him all day long, but Jesus has, has set the bar right here. And I can't change that, and you can't change that, and nobody can change that. They, can, they can't write no papers or books about it. They can draw another counsel up if they want to, but they can't change what the Word of God says. And he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And he that has and keeps my commandments, that's who loves me. That's how Jesus knows that we love him when we keep his commandments. And he goes on to say in verse 24, that he who does not love me keepeth not my sayings. Oh, the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father that sent me. So whenever I don't do his word, when I hear it and just say, mm-mm, not going to do it, 
That's not right. I just don't. That doesn't sit right with my spirit. Let me tell you, our carnal spirit will never sit right with the word of God. And so if you're trying to line it up with your carnality, it'll never work because the carnal mind, Scripture now, the Bible says a carnal mind is enmity or the enemy with God. It's not subject to God, neither indeed can be. It can't even, it can't understand what he, that's what Jesus would be talking to a lot of times, said, why don't you understand what I'm saying? Because they're carnal. They hear, but they don't understand. And so they don't do. And so that's why when we come to him, he must increase, I must decrease. I've got to get better at giving more of Jesus in my life so this flesh can die out. Paul said, in my flesh, there is no good thing. Well, if it wasn't a good thing in his flesh, it ain't in yours either or mine. And I know uh, who I was when I came to God, and it took the Lord uh, increasing so that I could decrease. We mortify the deeds of the flesh to the spirit. Oh, we've got to quit limiting the Holy Ghost to just simply talking in tongues and let it kill some things in your life. If you're led by the Spirit, this is, the Bible says it's the Spirit of truth. It'll lead you in the truth. It'll lead you in the right things. It'll get you where you need to go. But as long as, oh, if, if your main goal is simply, hey, how, how long or how often can I speak in tongues? Well, you should as often as you can. But if that is the extent of the work of the Holy Ghost in your life, you're still going to battle. You've got to let it lead you through the Word of God, and He's got to increase. He's the Word made flesh. I need more of the Word. The Word must increase. Yeah, I need to. He is that Spirit, so I need to pray in that Spirit, building myself up on my most holy faith. I need that. I need more of Him in every aspect. I need more of his word. I need more of his presence. I need more time in prayer with him. I need him to increase so I can decrease. Because as long as this fellow's hanging around, I'll have trouble. As long as I allow that man I buried to keep poking his head out of the ground or out of the water as it is, uh, I'm going to have trouble. I've got to keep him under that water. I don't need to go looking now that this house has been swept and cleaned. I don't need to be looking for something new and then bring seven worse spirits with it. I don't want to be worse than I was at the beginning. I want to get in subjection to God. I want to do what he said to do, live how he said to live, consistence, obedience. Apparently, according to what Jesus said, like nothing else will reveal the presence of genuine love. Only the heart that obeys truly loves, and only the heart that truly loves will continue to obey. I love this life, you know, and I'm not pinning no roses on me. I'm going to tell you the reason that I am here, glory to God, since 1993 I've been serving God, and I did not serve God prior to 1993. I did everything as opposite to God as I could do. And the reason that that has not happened since 1993 is because I love him. I love his ways. I love his word. I love what he's made out of me and what he is still making out of me. I don't want to go back to that kind of life, that kind of living. But the only way, God's not going to put up a gate and keep me fenced in and say, no, I'm keeping you. Mm -mm. You know what? We free range sheep. And if we want to go over the hill, we can. But he don't want us going over the hill. He don't want us going off in some other pasture. He wants us right here with him. But he will not force you to stay. He will not do it. He's not going to build a fence and a gate and say, that's it. We're locking you in. He wants you to choose that. I have chosen this day and every other day that I will serve him. And on my best days, I've made a mess of it. But, I, but it's my desire to serve him. That's why I get up and keep going. I am still growing. I am still learning. Hey, I am still, uh, you know, people get like, oh, get offended like oh, you're calling me a baby. or I'm, I'm just telling you, we're all green somewhere. 
Yeah, and somebody said, oh, they green as grass, implying that they don't really know what they're doing. Well, guess what? We all got some green in us somewhere. We're all learning and growing and maturing and trying to get, uh, we want to be complete in him. I am striving. But like Paul said, I have not yet attained it yet. But, I, but what I do is I forget what's behind me and I keep reaching forward. I keep going uh, the way I should go. I'm going in the right direction. Don't be embarrassed to say, well, I'm a little green. Because you are. I said that one time years ago. My pastor was sitting behind me. I heard him chuckle when I said it. He'd only been living for the Lord about 60 years, you know. And here I was, really green, <laughs> talking to a bunch of people that had been living for God longer than I'd been alive. And I said, well, you know, we're all green in some areas. And I heard a few chuckles and smirks, and some of them like, but it was the truth. Yeah, yeah. I might have been a donkey, but I was talking, I tell you. <laughs> and it was the truth. That's just how it was. Might as well accept it now. This fruit ain't, this fruit ain't gonna be ripe till we get to heaven. Right. <laughs> gonna always have a green side. It's still, still it ain't quite done, ain't quite there yet. Praise God. Remember the order of the love that Jesus has for us. We love him because he first loved us. God's called his people to love and obey him always follows him acting first on their behalf. Before the Lord gave Israel the Ten Commandments, before he commanded them to do anything, he tells them, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, out of the house of slavery. He acted graciously and lovingly on their behalf by delivering them from Egypt. And then only after getting them out did he command them and say, now you shall have no other gods before me. He didn't tell them that first. They had no commandments while they were in Egypt. There was no commandments there. They, they had the patriarchs. They had Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They didn't have the law yet. They didn't have the commandments yet. They didn't have those things. And before he ever gives them that first and great commandment, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, he brings them out. He shows them what he can do. He's good to them, brings them through the Red Sea. He, he, he feeds them in the wilderness. He does things for them. He does not completely destroy them when they act a fool when uh, Moses is up on the mountain. Before he ever gives that commandment. So God's not like, hey, I'm a dictator. He's the Lord. A dictator forced people into submission, but he just loves us into submitting. It's different. And so uh, the obedience of love should come naturally to us who have received God's love in Christ, which we see from when he's on the cross. We, we talked about this in the early lesson, greater love has no man than this, then he would lay down his life for his friends. That's the greatest expression of love that mankind has ever known. And so when we are therefore called to exalt Jesus and put him first through our obedience, we allow him to increase as we decrease. He is the Lord. Then live like he's the Lord. Jesus first humbled himself in love. He decreased. Paul said it like this in Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Uh, he, he began to say, Christ, who was in the form of God, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That was the example Jesus gave us of he said, what did he pray in the garden? Not my will, but thy will be done. If it's possible, take this cup, but if not, then not my will, but thy will be done. In other words, I'm going to increase so he can increase. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to humble myself and do sometimes even the painful things so I can accomplish the will of God in my life. It's, it's painful sometimes to follow the will of God in our life. That's not saying that God's trying to hurt us. It's just painful because our flesh. You know what was painful for Jesus? Everything that had to do with the flesh. His spirit knew what was coming. But it was the physical pain that was afflicted that hurt his body. 
And then it was the emotional pain of rejection and the shame. All these are feelings, emotions, things that went on in his body. And sometimes we can be hurt and, and will hurt as we grow. That's growing pains. But while we are decreasing so he can increase, sometimes our flesh will fight that and will hurt because of it. But when we get our flesh, if we live in the spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's Bible. And so we need the spirit of God. That's why we need the Holy Ghost. We need the spirit so we can live in the spirit, so we can get out of this flesh. <laughs> Walk, uh, you know, we're going to always be in this old carnal body to the end, but we don't have to walk after this flesh. We can walk after the spirit. And so he decreased so that we could uh, live. He, he decreased to die to free us from sin. So one day we'll increase as we're caught up in the air to meet him in heaven. Uh, he did all this, and here's what it says that God did. Philippians 2, 9, and 11, he goes on to say, God has also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When he decreased, God increased. And he gave him a name that's above every name. God got the glory for what was going on. Jesus said, this is, to this end I was born. I was going to suffer. I'm going to die. I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to be despised. This is why I was born. This is God's will. And for the joy that was set before him, the joy of knowing we would be saved, he went ahead and stayed the course. He did that. He decreased so God could increase. We must uh, decrease so God can increase. He's got to increase in our lives. The scripture says for me to be holy because he's holy. That's going to involve some decrease and increase. The only way I can become holy is for him to increase because there ain't nothing in this body holy except the Holy Ghost. <laughs> but, but as far as my flesh is concerned, I can't do anything that's holy because God's holy. This is a, before him, this was unholy flesh. It was born into sin. It can't just be holy on its own. It don't work like that. I've got to have him. So to be holy, well, his word's holy. So if I live by his word, I can become holy and acceptable unto God, which is my reasonable service as I present myself a living sacrifice. And so when I focus on Christ or having a focus on Christ and a loving obedience to him, it should come natural for us, but it does not mean it comes without effort. I'm not saying that it's effortless. You're going to have to take some responsibility for who you are. I, I myself, we have to take responsibility for who we are in Christ. Well, I'm born again. I love that. You'll never make me frown by saying that. But I'm like, you can't stop there. Right. Yeah. You're born again. What's that mean? Well, I went to the water. Okay. I got filled with the Holy Ghost. Okay. Now I sit at home. Okay. But that's not okay. What are you doing now? When a, a baby's born, it doesn't stay a baby. But it will grow up a sad, sad uh, representation of any kind of human life if there is no growth or maturity if nobody is investing in it, if it's not fed, if it's not taught, if nobody speaks to it, it you know, if it's not put somewhere where you can see things, it just, yeah, it'll continue to get larger as it's fed, but there's no maturity, there's no learning. There's no, it's just a, a shell of what it could be because there was nothing uh, input that it was able. And if we just get born again and then don't pray, and don't fast, and don't study, and don't come to church, and don't worship God, and don't praise God, and, and don't live by, well, we're going to be a sad shell of what we could have been. Because, well, I know it, it, I know it stings, but I've, I've said this before. 
you know, there's a lot of people have obeyed Acts 2.38 that we're not going to see come through the gate because it's got to be more than that. It's got to be more than that. Or we're no, we're no different than once saved, always saved. We've got to live for God. It's not our works that get us into heaven, it's, but we've got to be obedient to him and put the works of the flesh into subjection. And so uh, we need to make sure that our focus uh, does not rest on others rather than Christ or on other things. Uh, the scripture asks us, what would it profit us if we gain the whole world and lose our soul? Well, if I'm just, if the world's increasing in my life, my soul is decreasing. That's the opposite way it needs to be going. Uh, in my best state, the Bible says, my life is vanity. So I can't do anything. Uh, I can't just say, well, I'm a good person. Or I, I've got to be under submission to him. How do people know? How do people know that you serve the Lord just because you said so? Man, we got people that say so all the time and don't follow through. Uh, yeah, that's that's politicians all day long. But the Lord, He's faithful and does what He says. If I say He's Lord, I need to live like He's Lord. We, we might even get caught up doing things that are or appear to be entirely good for other people. We may become others-focused rather than Christ-focused. I'm so busy working in a cause, but if that cause doesn't glorify God, what are you really doing? And then, of course, we have to deal with our flesh, this fallen nature that we have. We have to deal with this world, our enemy of the flesh. Listen, and culture that we live in that will claim uh, and encourage us every day for us to increase. You be the Lord of your life. You make your decisions. You, you don't let nobody tell you what to do, not even God. They won't, the, listen, if you think the enemy is going to ever tell you to pray, he ain't, gonna, he ain't happening. He will never encourage anything that will cause Christ to increase in your life uh, to counter this pressure or this, you know, that's why Jesus, when he disciples, hey, teach us to pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Now, I know he means the entire earth, but I know I was made from the dust of the earth, and so I always make it more personal. I'm like, in earth, in this earthen vessel, thy will be done in this earthen vessel. In other words, let your kingdom increase while mine decreases. Hey, surely if we need to pray for daily bread, we need to pray for the kingdom to increase in our life. Yeah, I don't know, but a lot of people, they just pray for daily bread. I just want what I can have right now, right now, right now. But I want his kingdom to be real in my life. I want to be in submission to him. Every day you will be tempted, I am, you are, to focus on ourselves and satisfy our desires and fulfill our wills, even in effect, worship ourselves. In other words, daily we are tempted to build our own little kingdom where we sit as the enthroned Lord. And there are a lot of things that God does not care about. He does not care what color you paint the walls of your house. He does not care what you put on your salad. He does not care about those kind of things. I can tell you what breed of dog you have. He doesn't care. But there are many aspects of our lives that will raise the issue of who is the Lord of our life. What we do, yeah, what we think, what we say, how we spend our time, how we spend our money, how we treat people, how we respond when we are treated badly, with whom we have relationships with, who we marry, how we treat our spouses once we are married, how we raise our children and how we choose to entertain ourselves, how we dress or adorn ourselves. And the reason is, is because all these, all these issues are found in Scripture. And if they're in God's Word, then guess what? It's concerning to Him. You know, God doesn't care if you work at the bank or at McDonald's. It's not, He didn't care about that. But he does care about how we present ourselves in public because we are supposed to be the light of the world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
we're supposed to let our light shine so they can see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. So I want to make sure that I am doing that. I want to be in submission to God. Hey, honey, come on to the music. I'm right here on the, on the time. James 4 and 7, I was telling somebody this earlier. Uh, scripture came to my mind. I've, I've preached just on this so many times over the years, but we are, uh, and it's just sometimes we, we go to the, the quickest, easiest part of Scripture to quote. You know, it's just it's easier like that. You know, we, and I'm not saying we're just trying to cut things out, but we just we leave important things out if we take half a Scripture a lot of times. So in James 4 and 7, there's a great principle here, but what is always quoted is this. Resist the devil and he'll flee. Oh, we, we say it. You know, somebody's calling us up, telling us what's going on in their life. We're like, oh, just resist the devil and he'll flee. Well, that's half a truth because it's half a scripture. The first sentence in that scripture says, Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Period. I don't need to say anything. It's what James is saying. I've got one thought, one very simple, very true thought to convey right here. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God, period. It stops right there. Now, because I have in submission or I have decreased, he's going to increase. And guess who ain't hanging around while he's increasing? Well, I am. Better than that. Not just that. Because I know we, we, we do battle spiritual things and spiritual force. I know that. But we also battle our flesh. And whenever you submit to God, now you can resist your flesh. Because let me tell you, if there's anybody who is an advocate for the flesh, well, it's the devil. Just appease your flesh. So if I can just get myself in submission to God first, there's a lot of people, I, I don't understand. I went to the altar. I got baptized. I was born of the Spirit. I, I'm a child of God. Why am I struggling with my flesh? Submission. I know I didn't clap right. I'm laughing at me. Submission. That's why. It's, a, it's not, not an issue with your new birth. But who? I know it didn't, you never heard it from this pulpit. I don't know where you did hear it. But if anybody ever told you that being born again was the end all of it, they misled you. Whether intentionally or not, we've got to live our life for God. And so I begin to submit myself to God so that I can have authority and power over my flesh, over the enemy. Jesus said, I've given you power over all the power of the enemy. Guess where at that? But you have no access to it unless you are submitted. You can quote, I don't get it. Jesus said he gave me power over all the power of the enemy. Why am I struggling? Submission. I didn't clap that time. Submission. Our own simple self-centered natures will always lead us to focus on ourselves, make decisions according to our will or our whims as if we are Lord. So we must pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. And then we need to make sure that we are striving to have the mind of Christ because guess what? For we're born again, we're completely carnal-minded. And then we still have to fight the carnal mind even once we're born again. We have to strive, pray, fast, study, like the things that he likes, hate the things that he hates. We have to line ourselves up so we can get the mind of Christ so we can be in submission. The ultimate display of submission was Christ in submission to the will of God to save this world. So... Why would we think that we would be able to do or get away with anything less than being under submission? So I need his mind. He said, let this mind therefore be in you. So I, I want that mind to be, that mind to be in me so I can be in submission and 
say, get behind me, Satan, and, you know, I can quote scripture and say it is written and I'm, I'm living by that. Stand with me. Brother Everhart would not just read this scripture, but he would quote this passage so many times. And uh, I never, I will never, I guess, ever read it without him popping into my mind first. But it is the ultimate, he must increase, I must decrease passage to me that goes along with what John was saying and David wrote it in Psalm 1 just listen to this because this talks about us making personal decisions to live our lives for him blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly nor standeth in the way of sinners nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful but his delight is in the law of the Lord And in his law does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water, bringing forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That is a person who is in submission. He has let the things of this world, the counsel of this world decrease, and the law of the Lord increase. And now he's like a tree by rivers of living water, bringing forth his fruit in his season. Leaf won't wither. Whatever he does prospers. The ungodly are not so. They're like the chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the ways of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. I want to make sure that every day I get up and pray, Lord, Today, you increase while I decrease. And my, what a blessed life it is. Though our outward man perish, the inward man is renewed. This old flesh is decreasing anyway, every day. But the inward man should be growing, increasing. He's renewed every day. I want to keep increasing in the Lord. Let's lift our hands and pray together. Lord, we love you today. Thank you, God, for your word so powerful. The instruction that we receive today, God. Let us, oh, let that word, that seed of the gospel find good ground today. Let us grow and be changed. Lord, we need you to increase and we need to decrease. Let us put our flesh under subjection, God, and serve you in sincerity and truth. Walk up right before you, God. We simply want to be pleasing in your sight, God. We love you and we praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name. Let's give him a hand clap of praise this morning. What a great God. What a great God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you for being in uh, discipleship this morning. Let's find a place to pray. Brother Doug Smith will be preaching in the 12 o'clock service. My, we're about to have some church, folks. Let's have a great time in the Lord. God bless you.